Good evening, my renegades. Welcome back to Rogue Radio. My name is Sarah Jane, and yes, I've got a cold. Shut up. (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, Yes, today we're having Rogue News, and yes, I know it's been a while, so jump in the trenches with me if you still miss me. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, or you just want to give me a piece of your mind, then all of the links on how to reach me will be down in the description below. Thank you. Oh yeah, and I almost forgot. It's time for the Renegade shoutout. Renegade shoutout goes to the Fat Mantis. He has his own podcast. His podcast is very inclusive. He actually talks with his listeners, which is something that I really want to do with you guys as well. He's available on Spoon and Spotify Green Room. Just look up the Fat Mantis or Rogue Planet. And yes, we're both rogues, which is pretty cool. So, All right, you know the drill. First off, is politics. Let's get into this. Okay. Here we go. The first one already made me upset, but I mean, it's the Biden administration. You can't really expect anything too much from, you know, the government right now. Anyway, let's see. Economist Federal Reserve made a mistake on Biden inflation. Economist Mohammed Elaran is criticizing the Federal Reserve for failing to tackle inflation. During an interview Sunday, he said the U.S. has not yet reached uh, a peak inflation and it could go higher from last month's reading of 6.8%. Meanwhile, Federal Chair Jerome Powell admitted Joe Biden's inflation is persistent and not uh, transitory. Um, as growth in prices hit its highest in 39 years. Ellerin um, said that the Fed's credibility has suffered due to the inconsistency. The Fed uh, must quickly, starting this week, regain control of the inflation narrative and regain its own uh, credibility, he stressed. Otherwise, a driver for higher inflation and expectation that feed onto themselves. Elleran pointed out that... Oh, I am recording. Okay, I'm sorry. I almost forgot. He pointed out that the Fed never expected inflation to approach 7%, and he called it a mischaracterization. The economist said the central bank must admit its mistake and put every effort into fighting inflation before it's too late. Meanwhile, a former uh, advisor to Barack Obama's Treasury Department, Steve Ratner, said it will likely take several years to fix Biden's inflation. Yeah. Why did we let this raisin in the office? I don't know. I don't think it's just him either. Definitely not. It's the people that he has around him that's corrupting the whole White House, the whole nation. 
I miss Trump. So it is going to be painful, and it's going to be painful for growth. It's going to be painful for jobs. We do have an election coming next year, which is going to be complicated, he stated in a recent interview. Ratner uh, compared Biden's economy to the inflation inflationary wave of the 1970s, saying back in the day it took re- recession and several painful years to bring prices back to normal, he added. It's not yet clear whether Biden's uh, economy is going in that direction. Ratner also criticized Biden's latest depending, or sorry, latest spending bill while suggesting it may create more problems. It wouldn't call, or I wouldn't call it a tragedy, but I would call it a significant disappointment to pass legislation like it has, uh, or like this that doesn't really address the revenue side properly in so many ways. He continued, we are not raising individual tax rates. We are not dealing with the estate tax problems. There's so much missing from it, and that's really quite unfortunate. Ratner also said the Federal Reserve will have to raise borrowing costs this year, or next year, um, which may help address inflation but poses risks to economic growth uh, going forward. Yeah. So this next story is something that I want to talk uh, about with my husband in depth, but I will be talking about it um, just generally because this is something that has gotten Christians up in an uproar, and, uh, me too, because I'm kind of upset about it. But, um, let's just read it real quick. The UN sculpture looks a lot like the end times beast referred to in Daniel 7 and Revelation 13. The United United Nations has placed a giant statue in New York that resembles an end times beast from the New Testament's book of Revelation. Uh, the UN recently tweeted a photo of the statue. The guardian of a guardian for international peace and security sits on the visitors' plaza outside UN headquarters. The um, guardian is a fashion of a jaguar and eagle, and donated by the government of Oaxaca, Mexico. I'm sure I butchered that name. My bad. Um, <clears throat> Guardian of International Peace Security sits in the Visitor's Plaza. Okay. Um, Countless critics on social media are saying the statue appears to be the likeness of the beast of the uh, the prophet Daniel wrote about in the Old Testament and the Apostle John wrote about in the Book of Revelation. Uh, Daniel chapter 7, 2 through 4 describes the beast with the body of a lion and wings of an eagle. Daniel spake and said, I saw in a, my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea, and four great beasts came from the sea, diverse one from the other. The first was like a lion and had eagle wings. 
The Apostle John described the beast with similar features in the New Testament passage in Revelation 13 too. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were um, as the feet of a bear, and his mouth the mouth of a lion. And the, the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Another Bible verse that's evoked by the um, that's evoked by this UN statue to peace and security comes straight out of the end times warning from 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 through 3. Uh, for you yourselves know for know full well that the day of the Lord will just come. I'm sorry, let me reread that. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night while they are saying peace and safety. Then destruction will come upon the suddenly like labor pains um, upon a woman with child and they will not escape. Um, writing for the Economic Collapse blog, com- commentator Michael Snyder uh, noted the statue looks like something out of the, a science fiction movie. Not resembling any known creature on this planet, you can see a video of the statue. Um, and they... Or did they really think that they could just put this up without anyone noticing, Snyder asked, and just by coincidence, it has been painted in LGBT colors. Okay, give me a minute. Yes, they probably did that on purpose, but I don't like it when people think that the rainbow is automatically LGBTQ. Sorry, Um, I believe it's God's promise because after the flood... He sent a rainbow saying he would never flood the earth again. So, um, that's a lie. I just have to put it out there because it upsets me when people think that the LGBTQ flag is always going to be the thing that references the rainbow or the rainbow references the flag. I'm sorry. No, you guys took it from the Inca, okay? Whoever made this flag, he took it from the Inca. If you guys don't know who the Inca are, Inca is a tribe in Peru. They believe that they cherish the rainbow. That's just something that they believe. The rainbow is like uh, something that they just keep near to themselves in their culture. And so they used a rainbow flag just like, you know, LGBTQ did. Um, But, of course, their flag... The Peruvian Inca flag actually stands for different tribes coming together in hard times. Has nothing to do with LGBTQ. So whoever made this flag for the LGBTQ in the U.S. stole it from the Inca. So just, you know, give credit where it's due. And even before that, of course, it's God's promise. So, yeah. Anyway... Facebook user Kelly Caudill also noticed that the similarities and wrote about in a recent post, wow, you just can't make this stuff up. The new United Nations sculpture for peace and safety, she wrote, also including the large photo of the statue. Caudill also mentioned the verses above 
and included uh, this warning to her followers. This uh, is the beast John saw in Revelation in the, his vision of the end times, given power by the dragon, the serpent, Satan, uh, over all people, languages, and nations, the UN. Copied from Angela Renee, she wrote. Um, folks, you can't just make this stuff up. The absolute most important um, thing in your life is to show or to know the Lord Jesus. Uh, not know of him, but know him. Okay, I see a close-up of this statue. Um, this article that I'm reading, um, it comes from CBN News, um, a Christian broadcasting network. And, um, yeah, it's painted in rainbow, but I don't see anything that references the gay flag. So, um, I don't like... I don't like when people do that. I'm sorry. You just reference the rainbow. You just reference all the colors of the rainbow as gay. And I I don't like it, for one. Um, this is evil, and I'm not defending any part of it. I'm just saying, CBN News, don't get butt hurt over stuff like that. Please. <laughs> Please don't. You're, oh, it's painted in LGBT colors. Okay, um, but it's not in order, so therefore it's not a gay flag. But anyway, um, yeah, it is painted in rainbow colors, but I don't think it's referring to the LGBTQ at all. There's a lot of Aztec designs on it. Um, you could definitely tell that it uh, comes from Mexico because it has uh, that cultural design on it. They do have the uh, triangle spiral uh, design on the bend of the wing, which is uh, for little boy lover, a code for um, pedophiles. So, yeah. They also have circular spirals on that too, which I think, isn't it little girl lover or something like that? Something, I don't know. I don't know everything. But yeah, no, this is something I don't think anybody would want. How is this? This thing looks like something you'd see in a movie. Like I, like that person said before, uh, something that you would see in a, you know, science fiction movie. I don't see how this is peace or security. I don't think by looking at this, it makes me feel safe. <laughs> I don't like it. Uh, maybe it's just because I know what it stands for, but I mean, speaking generally and not uh, in a, you know, godly way, I guess. I mean, if I wasn't a Christian and I knew what the government was doing and all of that stuff, I'd still be like, what is this? This looks, this doesn't look uh, cute. It doesn't look like something that would give me peace or security. So, uh, <clears throat> Y'all are uh, pretty bad at trying to portray peace and security. But then again, it is uh, the end times. So we do know that um, the beast was going to rear its head 
rear its ugly head at some point. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but CBN, just because things are painted in rainbow colors, doesn't always necessarily mean that it is gay. Um, and also to the LGBTQ. Not everything rainbow belongs to your organization, so... There you go. Um, that thing is ugly. I want to talk so much about this, but I'm going to hold off until me and my husband are able to talk about it um, together. Uh, because there's just so much that I want to talk about, and there's so much that he wants to talk about uh, with it too, so I'm just going to have to hold off. You guys are going to have to... Uh, stay tuned for it. It's time to talk about it segment. So, uh, yeah. All right, here's the last segment of politics. So here we go. Arkansas Governor Hutchinson, I hope I said that right, vaccine mandates are unconstitutional. Okay, <clears throat> before I say anything, um, I did hear something about the um, the House of Representatives or something. I don't remember what it was. But all the mandates have been pushed back. So everybody, um, whether you're um, officials in the government, House of Representatives, uh, people who um, kind of voted against the mandates... I really wish I could just sit here and clap for you because you guys are really amazing. Everybody who has been pushing back against every mandate in the state is incredible and y'all are renegades. (laughs) Um, I don't believe in the vaccine mandates. I don't believe that everybody should get them. Everybody's body is different. No matter what shot you take, regardless of whatever is in the vaccine, everybody's body is going to react differently to any vaccine or any shot or any type of injection at all. Everybody's body is different, so treating everyone's body as the same is very unconstitutional and very um, non-human rights-like. So um, I don't believe... In mandating the vaccine when there are people who have never gotten the COVID, who has never um, gotten the vaccine and they're okay because there are thousands of people that have been dying from the vaccine and people high up in the government don't want to admit that. And um, for people who have been speaking out against this, Hutchinson and um, Ted Cruz, keep talking about it, please, because we need people like you to stand up for human rights and, um, the humans in America. I don't like talking, I don't like calling people people. I know I say people a lot, but I like calling people humans, you know, at the end of the day. That's what we are, humans, and we have to stand up for our own rights as humans, but... These mandates are unconstitutional, overreaches, and the courts are looking at it in that fashion, said Hutchinson. He stressed 
Americans must be able to make health decisions for themselves. Hutchinson also pointed out uh, such mandates are causing economic hardship for millions of Americans. Wow. Governor uh, Hutchinson, I may not have changed each other's minds this morning, but it has, or it was refreshing to debate about real solutions to the COVID-19 pandemic. Thanks for the spirited debate, Governor. Uh, Let's do it again sometime. So that was Mayor Bill de Blas. Thanks, Mayor. We defined our different points of view with respect. We might not be Lincoln Douglas, but we but it was an important conversation. So that was just their tweets um, to each other, I guess. I don't know why they put that in there, but um, but let's let them make that decision and of course people can make decisions as to where they want to go. But to put the mandate in is unprecedented. It is going to cause hardship and it's going to cause division in our country. As you can already see, Hutchinson continued. But the mandates I think you'll see are going to cause even greater hardship and the court's going to take a look at it. Hutchinson's stress vaccine mandates are divisible, um, politicized, and not good for the country, adding much policies have no um, place in Arkansas. Yeah, exactly. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've seen people out and about, or even just online, I've seen people just say, oh, are you vaccinated? And then when they say no, they just treat them with the most disrespect. And I don't care if you're a Republican, Democrat, independent, conspiracy theorist, black, white, Asian, Mexican, whatever you are, whatever you believe you are, treat others with respect regardless of whether they took this vaccine or not. Please. Everyone is going to have a different opinion. Everyone is going to have different choices for their own health. And whether you believe that it's wrong or not, it's not for you to say. It's not for you to decide. You cannot tell people that them not getting the vaccine is not good enough for you. You just can't do that. You can't control what people choose. And you can't control what people feel, how people feel about the vaccine and how they think about it. So... Whether or not you get totally offended that someone is walking around unvaccinated and you think that they're just going to spread the virus because they're basically an unsafe body walking around spreading communicable diseases, um, that's not up for you to decide. You can treat people with disrespect if you want to, but don't get offended when people disrespect you back. Um... At the end of the day, we're all human beings. Like I said in the last segment, we need to treat each other with respect. That's it. Quit getting offended. Quit being a dick. Quit being a douchebag because you're vaccinated and you think that people who aren't are the scum of the earth. 
the way you act is scummy. So stop it and shut up. Oh yeah, I also <laughs> I also forgot something. People who are pro-abortion say, my body, my choice, well, I'm a Republican and I'm against abortion, but I'm also against the vaccine, so it's my body, my choice, my friends. Leave us alone. Patriots, keep being patriots. I love you guys. Yo, I forgot. We need to take a break. Anyways, if you're still here, we're going to go on an adventure on the app called Mix, which will just give me a whole bunch of random articles to feed you guys. So, yeah, we're going to find some stuff that I find interesting that I can give you. So here we go. So I rarely talk about fitness on here, but I have been, me and my husband have been trying to work out more, so, um, this is, uh, something, it's from Men's Journal, so I guess it's particularly for men, but, uh, the 25 best things you can do for your body. <laughs> so here we go. <clears throat> your quality of life is largely dictated by what? Why? I don't want... What? No. I don't want to be cut, okay? I do, actually, but I don't want to be subscribed to your journal, please. <sighs> I love articles that just pop up with stuff. Anyway, your quality of life is largely dictated by one factor, your physical health. And when it comes to building and maintaining a healthy lifestyle, we all know that eating right and working out are more or less the keys, but the best things you can do for your body are more than simply choosing brown rice over white. Are more than simply <laughs> choosing uh, brown rice over white and uh, hitting the gym five days a week. If you want to take your health to the next level, you can focus on the details. So. Doing small things for your body adds up. I don't want a pop-up. Please. Why are you doing this to me? All I want to do is read this article, and I'm going to have to re-enter it and go through the same bullcrap again. I know I will. Sure, it might not seem like you are moving the needle much by eating leafy greens, using olive oil to saute your vegetables, and getting enough sleep, but you are really helping to prevent cancer, stop muscular degeneration, or macular degeneration, I can't read today, and <laughs> reduce your risk of diabetes. Um, even a weekly cheat meal full of calories and carbs can boost your metabolism. Uh, the little things you do for your body will add up too. Consider the fact that a hundred years ago, the average lifespan of an American male was 60. Now it's all the way up to 75. Heck yeah. So I guess this is for the men, guys. Um, I'm waiting for a pop-up. 
hate pop-ups. There's so many on here. Men's journal. Step up. Come on now. Where are we at now? See, we've had a significant increase in lifespan over the last century, says Dr. Marie Bernard, Deputy Director of NIH's National Institute on Aging. Now, if you make it to 65, the likelihood that you'll make it to 85 is very high, and if you make it to 85, the likelihood that you'll make it to 92 is very high. The rise in life expectancy can be attributed to factors such as improved medical care and better access to clean water, um, but it's also people making choices about their health. Uh, which, or with this in mind, we come up with a list of the things you can do to improve your health, uh, featuring everything from green tea to sex frequency. And don't worry, research says the more the better. Oh my god, wow, okay. Um, if you're ready to live to 100, start off with these 25 habits. Awesome, okay, let's go. Meditate. Well... I don't believe in meditation, uh, or, you know, the Buddhist way of meditation, but, um, sitting down and just being quiet for a minute, it's actually good for you. Relaxing, you know, all that stuff, so let's just talk about it. Uh, meditation may seem like a passing trend, but the newly popular practice touts some serious health benefits. Oming is optional, but regularly taking 10 to 20 minutes to unwind and focus on yourself is one of the greatest secrets to longevity. Meditation is going to help with stress reduction, better sleep, lower blood pressure, uh, improved immunity, and improved cardiovascular function, says uh, Carrie Bajaj in um, a certified health coach at the 1111 Wellness Center in New York City. Listen, 1111 is such a holy number, so listen, if you see it all the time, you better take it seriously, my friend. Um, It's also going to make you feel much better because you're disconnecting from all of the stimulation of life. You can also do that um, just by unplugging, like not taking your phone and go, going for a walk, um, reading a book. It's not always about meditation. Um, I know meditation is important to some people, but just not having like any type of, you know, TV, radio, uh, your phone, um, anything like that, anything that will generate noise and stimulation when it comes to uh, distraction is always very good for the mind, especially for the body, because we don't realize how many times we look at our phone or watch TV or type on the computer. Um, Disconnecting to all of that or from all of that is very good for your health. Um, Two, sleep. This is number two. It's no... Okay, my husband's home. Hello, love. 
Okay, now we're gonna go back to this. Are you, are you gonna listen to it? Yeah, I will listen to it. I wanna hear it. Okay. I'm missing it. Okay. <laughs> Number two is sleep. It's no secret that most hardworking guys are sleep deprived. Yep. But just because it's common does not mean it's okay. Sleep makes or breaks healthy lifestyle. All time or all that time and effort you spend eating right and and working out won't be as effective and your physique will actually be harder to maintain if you're not uh, getting seven to eight hours at night. Catching up on sleep on the weekends don't work or won't work either. Research from Rochester University suggests that insufficient sleep disrupts our brain's ability to flush toxins from the body and as a result can impair brain function. So when you show up for work after a bad night's sleep, you are unable to focus on anything. That's why. You can have commentary, honey. That's fine. Okay. (laughs) What she's saying is the truth. It is the truth. <laughs> it's the absolute truth. And uh all of y'all been listening. Yeah. <laughs> um <clears throat> this is something that I know you'll like, babe. Uh drink warm water with lemon. I like it cold though. I know, but let's find out why. Uh right. what do you do in the morning sets the tone for the rest of your day? Which is why many experts suggest starting off with a big glass of water, toss in a lemon to make it even better. Oh, that's it. (laughs) Drink tea. We are tea drinkers in this house. Uh, Drink more tea. Just do it. Aside from water, tea might be the best average for your body. Beverage. Beverage for your body. Uh, research published in the European Journal of Clinical Nutrition shows that regular consumption of green tea can improve uh, memory and cognition in men. Green tea is also credited with a uh, host of other health-boosting benefits like firing up your metabolism, lowering blood pressure, um, preventing bad breath, boosting immunity, I know, and acting as an anti-inflammatory agent. Floss! We gotta floss more. (laughs) Flossing won't just make your pearly whites brighter, but the habit uh, will improve your health on a much deeper level. If you, or if your gums get infected, the bacteria in your mouth can enter your bloodstream and lead to inflammation throughout the body. Wow. Take probiotics. We have probiotics, so we're, we, we do a lot of stuff on here. Um, check in with your gut. A healthy digestive system is often seen as the window to your overall health. One way to boost good gut bacteria and keep things running smoothly is to take a probiotic supplement. Probiotics help with digestion and they're good for your immunity. Fixing the balance of good bacteria in the gut can even improve your mood. A lot of your serotonin is actually produced in the gut. So there is a big connection between what's happening in the gut and how you feel. 
that's actually r- really good information. Warm up before workouts. <clears throat> uh, static stretching uh, before a workout doesn't do your body much good. In fact, research from Stefan F. Austin State University found that exercisers will, or who did static stretching before lifting um, and impaired or had impaired strength um, compared to those who performed a, a dynamic warm-up, a muscle warming routine that includes moves like walking, lunges, and high skips. Uh, get in the habit of performing a dynamic warm-up before any kind of workout and you'll not only enhance your performance but also help prevent injury. Okay. Sweat with hit. What is what is hit? I don't understand. According to research from Liverpool John Moores University and the University of Birmingham, um, high intensity interval um, training. Oh, high intensity interval training. That's what hit is. Uh, can result in some or the same benefits as those who get uh, from endurance training but you'll spend a hell of a lot less on the gym. While breaking a sweat um, of any kind is vital, HIT improves uh, your fitness while also fighting heart disease, hypertension, and diabetes. Nice. Avoid BPA. So, BPA stands for by, or no, bit, how do you say that? By <laughs> no, <laughs> um, by by phenol A. <coughs> Shut up. <coughs> a chemical used. Okay, is by phenol A for everybody who has been listening to my husband say stupid things. <laughs> a chemical used to produce many common household products, like water bottles, food cans, and recent. In recent years, the um, compound affects the health and human development have uh, generated quite a bit of controversy in a good, for a good reason. Um, research has found links between uh, exposure to BPA and reproductive order disorders to diabetes and cardiovascular disease. Uh, <clears throat> while the FDA reports evidence on both sides of the debate, it's better to be safe than sorry. Purchase typically canned items like tomatoes in glass containers instead of, or instead, and you're sticking, if you're sticking with plastic containers, check for a recycle code for, uh, of three or seven on the bottom. Those may be made with BPA. Okay. Um, clean up your skincare regimen. Your skin is the largest organ, so you're... <coughs> Listen, I do not want to have a cough attack during my podcast. <laughs> uh, your skin is the largest organ, so um, you're, you've got to take care of it like uh, you would any other body part. Oh, give me a minute. Now I gotta get a cough drop. Jeez. All right. 
What the hell? <laughs> All right. The skin is the biggest part of your body. Or the biggest organ of your body. That means applying sunscreen daily and being picky about the products you use. Uh, look at your hair and skincare products and clean up those products so you're not putting chemicals on your skin. Um, check labels for sodium laurel sulfate or sodium laureth sulfate and toss products that contain these compounds. Sulfates not only strip your hair and skin of necessary moisture and protective barriers, but also become toxic when combined with other ingredients commonly found in skincare products. Okay. <laughs> Wear sunglasses. <laughs> Slapping on sunscreen is incredibly important when it comes to um, protecting your skin from the sun's harmful rays. However, it's easy to forget about <clears throat> protecting your eyes. The only way to do that is by wearing sunglasses, remembering to throw your shades, throw on your shades. <laughs> Every day will guard against uh, sunburn, uh, contacts, and even skin cancer. Choose sunglasses with 99 uh, to 100% UV absorption. Um, or UV 400 and maybe draw some inspiration from your girlfriend's oversized shades. No. no. <clears throat> um, the, <laughs> the bigger the glasses, the better the protection. Okay. Um, or you could just get transitional lenses if you do wear glasses. Um, get more fiber. So some of these are going to be a given, so I'm just going to end up just saying them because we're on number 12 and we got 25 to go through. So eat more fiber such as um, bananas, apples, um, strawberry spinach, brown rice, all that stuff. That'll make you poop. Go green at every meal, so include a green vegetable such as kale, spinach, all of that stuff. Antioxidant packed dark leafy greens may be some uh, of the best cancer preventing foods. They also help with weight management and regulate digestive system. So <clears throat> have more sex is number 14. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> You don't need anyone to tell you to have more sex, but it doesn't hurt to, that research is piling up about the benefits of getting busy. <laughs> Regular time spent behind closed doors can make you look and feel younger, reduce stress, boost immunity, enhance sleep, uh, protection against prostate cancer, and improve cardiovascular health. Um... What's more, a 25-year study from Duke University found that the more sex you have, the longer you will live. <laughs> guys, think that, um, guys, I think we have discovered the fountain of youth. <laughs> That's what the article said. I'm recording.
<laughs> Weigh yourself daily. You know I'm gonna have to cut that out now, right? <laughs> um, I don't like weighing myself daily. Like I, I'm a. It does, um, but it is from Men's Journal, and I'm a woman, so. I don't know. Alright. I, yeah, I don't, I don't like this one, but weigh yourself daily, I guess. I'm not even gonna read that one. Strengthen your lower back, lord. Okay. About 80% of the adults, uh, experience lower back pain, um, at some point in their lifetimes, according to the National Institute of Neurological, Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Um, the culprits that are culprits and causes, uh... I'm sorry. The corporates and causes fall in one of two category categories. Um, the sedentary, the uh, lifestyle, or heavy use. I don't know what they're talking about. Fortunately, exercising can alleviate these aches and pains if you know uh, <clears throat> which ones are best. And how do you, uh, or how? How to do them correctly. Good lord. Uh, three... Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just just exercise your lower back. That's basically what that is. Because then they're just gonna... They can't... The bottom of that one article... That one section was like... Here's like... The workout you need for this. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not gonna go into another article. Just... No. Fry and saute veggies in olive oil. Olive oil is very good for you. Stop yo-yo dieting. Okay. What's that? The weekends are when you cut loose and on your diet. Drink more booze and go indulge on un unhealthy things. Um, <laughs> you're really doing your gut a disservice in more ways than one. According to a study from the University of South Wales... You, uh, researchers say yo-yo dieting can throw off the one trillion microbial cells in your gut, which control and influence your metabolism, immune function, and overall nutrition. But these levels uh, and diversity of bacteria are disrupted. It can spark gastrointestinal conditions like um, inflammatory bowel disease and obesity. <clears throat> Stop smoking cigarettes and hookah. I like hookah. I, I used to oh, like hookah. See. I did. I used to like hookah. It was nice. I, honestly, I feel like... I don't know. I don't want to say it's healthier than smoking, but... It it tasted nice. I, I don't know. It was a long time ago, too, so I'm, I, I'll never go back to it. It would make you feel... Happy. Can we get some? No. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, the I think it was like the second time I ever tried hookah was at uh Oasis. So uh the hookah was really nice. I don't know why. It just it the second time I tried it, it kinda made me like a little lightheaded. Is it tobacco? It is, it's tobacco, but it's on this, like, dish 
and it, it sits on top of this vase-like thing. It's kind of almost like a bong, where it has like the water and bubbling underneath, but it's got like these tubes that come from the vase, and you suck on it, and you blow out the smoke like a cigarette. You know? Um, it's a Middle Eastern type of way of smoking. Oh, like Alice in Wonderland the caterpillar. Yeah. <laughs> the caterpillar was <laughs> it was doing hookah. hookah. <laughs> uh, use weekends to catch up on sleep. Wait, didn't Men's Journal tell us earlier not to do that? Okay. Uh, eat seven servings of produce. Uh, squeeze as many greens as you can into meals and snacks. Okay. Schedule a weekly, schedule weekly cheat meals. Um, yo-yo dieting is bad, but strategic treat, uh, <laughs> cheat meals are good. Very makes good. Sense. Makes sense. The opposite it to you to do it. No, no, no. It, yo-yo dieting is when you choose to... Um, go back and forth on eating good and then not eating so good. Oh. So, like... Kind of like what I do. Yes. (laughs) Um, But when you have a scheduled day, like on Saturday or Sunday, we decide to order a pizza or something like that after a long week of just planning meals and stuff like that, that's okay. Because it gives your body carbs and stuff like that. So we all know about cheating. Um... Take a nap. It's very, very healthy. <laughs> Eat a protein-packed breakfast like eggs. <laughs> um, a breakfast uh, containing 35 grams of protein helps prevent weight gain. Reduces your daily intake of food. Uh, staves off hunger and stabilizes your glucose levels, according to a study from the University of Missouri Health School of Medicine participants who ate high-protein breakfasts um, compared to those who ate moderately high-protein breakfasts reduced uh, their daily food intake by 400 calories and lost body fat. Those who ate uh, moderately high-protein morning meals gained additional body fat, combined high-quality proteins like milk, eggs, and lean meats, and Greek yogurt, and try it for yourself. <clears throat> Stop working yourself to death. Listen. Men's Journal. I don't know when y'all decided to, uh, you know, put this out. But there are so many people out there that don't want to, to, to work. So there are people out there that do want to work and they work themselves to death because we're picking up all the people, all the lazy people's slack, okay? But yes, we should not overwork ourselves. Let's see. Wait, how many was that? That was 25? Okay, we're done. Okay, Rogue Radio has, uh, after this one, Rogue Radio has gone too deep (laughs) about stuff. 
the, this, these are the five lies you've been told about masturbation. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Five lies you've been told about masturbation. Did Pee Wee Herman get caught jacking it? <laughs> yes, he did, actually. Did Onan make God angry when he spanked it? What? This is an actual article. <laughs> Let's find out the truth. <laughs> the world is full of lies, and it's hard to get through life without taking a few on board. Luckily, we're here to sort out the fact from the fiction and find the plankton of truth in the ocean of bullcrap. <laughs> uh, they said the other word, but, you know, I try not to cuss on my my uh, podcast. This week, <laughs> jerking off, <laughs> it's a pretty popular pastime, but talking about it makes... Uh, you an uncouth ruffian, right? <laughs> or does it? <laughs> Line number one. You'll go blind, get hairy palms, go insane, get acne, uh, irreparably damage your penis, and so on. <laughs> so this is another men's health thing. There are no medical uh, downsides to masturbation. If you do it in a safe manner. No one, <clears throat> not everyone does this, uh, though. There are obvious medical downsides if you do it in some stupid way, like choking yourself with a belt. This is going way- <laughs> Yeah, no, that's called autoerotic asphyxiation, honey. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is gonna be hard for me to read. Oh, <laughs> Ramming your your member into a bottle or doing it while driving. Oh my god. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> Spend five minutes trawling through the subreddit. Um <laughs> Reddit Jack Off confection Confessions. Oh my god. Um, and the amount of people who have knocked themselves out giving innative self-love techniques to go uh, will pull you off ever touching yourself again. Uh, don't cut the oxygen supply to your brain. Just don't. Every year, though, up to a thousand people in the U.S. alone die from autoerotic asphyxiation. What does that mean? It's when they choke themselves to death to get a bigger orgasm, honey. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, in fact, the real figure is probably higher, as some families undoubtedly opt to shut a few browser tabs, flush a few tissues away, and present the death uh, as deliberate. Hey, it's bleak. Yeah, I would say so. That's not doing it in a safe manner. However, <clears throat> similarly, if you're doing it to just excess uh, that it's in interfering with the rest of your life, that's not ideal. Um, so being addicted to masturbation is also not 
a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, being late for a meeting because of a spur of the moment manage a un is no way to live. If you can't. So they're basically like masturbating. Yeah. If you can't what about, fo- what about masturbating in, in, in the workplace where you work in their rhythm? Heck no! You're gonna get fired! <laughs> if you can't focus on anything else <laughs> because you can't stop thinking about your next five knuckles your next five knuckle shuffle. <laughs> Oh my god, yeah, you might want to wind it back a bit. But normal masturbation presents no health risks whatsoever unless you slip it. slip in or get it in your eye. <laughs> I don't know! I don't have a dick! <laughs> no, I mean the cum. Like you cum shot yourself in the eye. Number Lie number two Don't talk about playing with yourself You uncultured simpleton There are (laughs) There are all sorts Of highbrow reasons to talk about That thing Where someone plays with their Winky until stuff comes out (laughs) It's a subject that has Interested some of history's greatest Minds as well as uh, led to invention of cornflakes. I told you! I told you cornflakes was there to, was being made to stop people from masturbating. Because so they eat them, they stop masturbating? I don't think so. I think it was a failed experiment, but <laughs> you might be discussing ancient Sumerian mythology, for instance, a perfect time to mention that both the Euphrates and Tigris rivers were uh, said to have originated uh, when Enki, the god of water, and the had a big fat wank into a couple of entry and empty riverbeds. What? <laughs> oh my god. <clears throat> or maybe you're a highly regarded Egyptologist, and you'll know as well as anyone that the that the god Autumn created himself from nothing, then tugged himself silly until he created the universe out of semen. (laughs) (laughs) Classical scholars will be familiar with uh, Diognese the Cynic. I don't know. Diogenes the Cynic who used to masturbate in public. Okay, and sometimes poo in the theater. Mark Twain, the father what? of him. <laughs> what the hell? I know. Oh, <laughs> just somebody just just jacking like, off in the back of the oh. theater. You're like, oh. <laughs> uh, Mark Twain, the father of American literature, and a ten-minute routine, which he recounted the history of meat beating. <laughs> And compared it to farts, lamenting <laughs> that at least farting in groups was allowed, 
Um, as no, long as no. they were all male no. and nobody was likely to mind. Oh. <laughs> I'm weak. Oh. <laughs> Pee Wee Herman got caught jerking it. Yes, he did. Actor Paul Rubens got caught jerking it back in 1991. The fictional childlike simpleton uh, wasn't caught uh, meat in hand. Grinning like a dolphin and mashing himself silly, the fully grown 38-year-old man who played him, uh, was. Oh, what? Really? That don't make any sense. The fully grown 38-year-old man who played him was. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. The actor who played, uh, Pee Wee Herman got caught jerking it, but everybody knows him as Pee Wee Herman. So, who cares? A dude being a bit gross is way less compelling a mental image um, than a dainty man-child, gray-suited and red-cheeked bicycle chained up outside the sp- Bank Orama hunched over himself, muttering about being the luckiest boy in the world. Oh my god. I think I, I don't know if I want to put this on. <laughs> it, it's all over now. Honestly, Rubens uh, was pretty much um, screwed over. He was staying with his parents at the time, went out, and ended up in a porn theater, which was still a thing in 1991. That's an adults-only rev- re- uh, venue uh, designed for people to watch porn, uh, and it doesn't seem unreasonable to assume that the occasional tug might be in place there. Uh, it feels unlikely that the business model of those places was based on the idea of people patiently waiting or watching until the credits calmly taking the buns home and then... <laughs> thrashing themselves silly. Rubens just happened to be spotted in solo, uh, flag by the police, uh, <clears throat> made the panicked error of offering to perform a show. What? Uh, to benefit local sheriff's office, uh, and then, unluckily enough, to have his real name recognized by the court reporter. Uh, <laughs> the ensuing press scandal damaged his career massively and led to Pee Wee Herman toys being removed from sale. Uh, more financially devastatingly caused Pee Wee's Playhouse to be pulled from syndication. Syndication is where uh, the star creator producer Rubens would have stood to make enormous amounts of money over the years, making the incident possibly the uh, world's most expensive wank. <laughs> Jesus Christ, he should have thought twice about that. Still, without it, we might not have got uh, his incredible death scene in the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. So, <clears throat> every cloud and all that. Oh my god. Okay, line number four. Uh, there's this cool newish thing called edging. Oh no. 
I don't want to know. I'm. I don't want to know it. Um. Macaque monkeys <laughs> invented edging ages ago. All primates are fans of yanking it, and they're among the animal kingdom's most enthusiastic self-pleasures. Self-pleasurers. Up to six percent of their metabolism is used uh, just on their production of stuff. <clears throat> but generally don't do it to completion. Uh, in a 2013 study published in Ethology, uh, they were found to bust a nut just 15% of the time. Meanwhile, bottlenose dolphins preempted the flash the fleshlight by wrapping eels around their their dicks. How do you do that? How do dolphins do that? I don't believe that. All of this is all of this is just Bullcrap. This is satire. I don't know. <laughs> Onan whacked off and made God angry. <laughs> what I don't know who Onan is, but let's find out, I guess. <laughs> the biblical figure Onan. Okay, have we ever heard of Onan in the Bible? Okay, uh, despite being the origin of the polite chicken choking term onanism, um, didn't get it in trouble for whacking off, um, he got in trouble for pulling out while having sex with Tamar, wife of his dead older brother, Ur, who who had just been killed by God because he was wicked and nutting on the floor. <laughs> Where is this in the Bible? In Jacob's story. Really? It was Jacob's kids. In Judah, yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. Despite opting for the floor, the floor being rude at best that seems like a bit of an overreaction on God's part. You know, God can do what he wants. Leave him alone. Onan's reasoning was kind of sound as well. While the law of leveret marriage demanded he impregnate and the newly widowed Tamar um, if <clears throat> resulting a child was male, he would be the head of, the, of Onan in line uh, to inherit Onan and Ur's dad, uh, Judah's wealth. <clears throat> Bursting onto the desert floor, or busting onto the desert floor, <laughs> was financially at least fairly wise. Plus, think of Tamar, your husband had just been killed by God and not. Listen, shut up. I don't read blasphemous things. <clears throat> but okay, yeah. Pretty sure God took him out for a reason. Yeah, pretty sure. 
Pretty and God was different. God was different back then to when Jesus came. When Jesus came, God became more loving. Yes. God was more vengeful before then because he couldn't stand dealing with us like this. Exactly. <laughs> um, however, Onan was struck dead by God as well. Um, and then had his name become a, euphes- a euphemism for beating it that lasted a thousands of years. Onan might not have been masturbating, but it, but okay. he, he must definitely have felt like a jerk. Okay, so he wasn't. Yeah, See, okay. They, 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 nah. Yeah, that, yeah, okay. Well, there you go. Rogue Radio went above and beyond for y'all with this one. Okay, here is one last interesting story. So here we go. Okay, here we go. I found one. Took me a minute. But for you, it's just a few seconds. So... America's 20 highest grossing movies of all time and of course they're adjusted for Biden's inflation um, Avengers Endgame has been in the theaters for less than two weeks okay this is an old article so we're just gonna keep on going with this because I'm impatient uh, yet <laughs> it has already managed to take in more than two billion at the box office in record time amazingly the Marvel superheroes Still have a long way to go to crack the top 20 highest grossing movies of all time. Though Endgame currently holds 74th spot on the list. Um, We've written about some of the lowest grossing movies of all time. Here are the highest grossing movies adjusted for inflation according to the box office mojo. Gone with the Wind 1939. That has to be the most boring movie. Ever. And it's all about a woman manipulating men. Okay? There is just this one uh, freaking scene I remember. She takes her curtains down because she lost all of her money doing something. I don't know. And she says that she'll never go hungry again. She makes a dress out of her curtains and then tries to seduce this man so she can so she don't have to be hungry anymore but anyway released 1939 victor fleming's uh, adaptation of margaret mitchell's pulitzer prize winning civil war epic is one of the world's first genuine blockbusters that still holds the top spot for box office dollars with a grand total of 1 million uh what i don't know is it, one million eight thousand. I don't know. Eight thousand. I can't say it. One million eight hundred and twenty-two thousand five hundred and ninety-eight and two hundred. That might have been one billion. Who knows? Star Wars, nineteen seventy-seven. The George Lucas space opera that launched a thousand action figures <clears throat> and almost as many sequels and prequels. Still reigns supreme in the Star Wars universe. Prequels suck. <laughs> with no, I mean the sequels. sequels. <laughs> okay, with a total take of one billion six hundred and thirty-five million 
$137,900. Wow. Yeah. I wish I had that in my bank account. The Sound of Music, 1965. The hills are alive with the sound of 1,283,791,300 in domestic ticket sales. E.T., The Extraterrestrial, 1982, is number four. Um, The biggest movie in 1982 was also the fourth biggest movie of all time with a grand total of 1,278,107. I did that wrong. $1,278,107,600. I'll be right here. A lot of... uh, That's a lot of Reese's Pieces. Titanic, 1997. James Cameron may have gotten uh, some flack after declaring himself king of the world. The worst ending ever in a movie. Yeah. There's so many theories that uh, people have. <laughs> there are so many like theories of like how he could have fit on the door with her and how they could have like balanced each other out so they both could survive. And uh, Craig Ferguson one day. Uh, what's the la- what's the lady's name? The the lady who plays Rose. Kate. Okay. Kate. 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 Okay. Well. Uh, he ends up saying, like, something about Kate. Like, uh, her character saying, like, Kate, move your fat ass over or something on the door. And she never, ever came to his, uh, like, late show ever again because of that. Like, she was so offended by it. I'm like, it's true, though. It's not your fault, Kate, okay? Uh... (laughs) Anyway, when he scooped up the award for Best Director in uh, 1998 Oscars uh, between Avatar, more on that later, and Titanic, which took $1,221,303,800, Cameron holds two of the top three spots on the highest grossing films worldwide. <clears throat> the Ten Commandments. Cecil- yes! <laughs> Cecil, this is from um, 1956, Cecil B. DeMille's biblical epic managed to conjure up 1,180,310,000 dollars at the box office, even with a near four-hour running time. That was uh, number six. Number seven is Jaws. 1975. Uh, The film that made Steven Spielberg a household name may have scared audiences away from the water, but it brought them to the cinema in droves as evidenced by its 1,153,990,200 ticket sales. Dr. Zhivago. That one is actually a really good one with Keira Knightley in it. I know there. this is the 1965 one. I've never actually watched that one, but... Uh, that one's actually a really good mo- uh, movie. A really good story. Um, it's sad, but... You know. Despite being banned in Russia. Why was it banned in Russia? 
it was all about the life in Russia during the um, Moscow. Uh, I don't know the wars in Moscow. I don't even know. Um, the country in which it is set uh, until 1994, David <clears throat> Lean's epic drama romance still managed to drum up more than a billion dollars. So it's one billion one hundred and eighteen million four hundred and sixty thousand five hundred dollars from U.S. audiences alone. This one I disagree with because I hate I hate horror movies and I don't like it. I don't understand why it's on this list. It should be uh, set down to hell where it belongs. Uh, the Exorcist from 1973. Will, <laughs> William Fred, Fredkin's groundbreaking horror film is the genre's first to score Best Picture um, Oscar nomination through... Uh, it ultimately lost the sting to, or lost to the sting. Um, it won as far as the box office was concerned with a total of 99, or 996,000, 400 and, wait, no, it's million, sorry. 996,004,908, dollars Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is number 10. 1937. <laughs> uh, rounding out the top 10 is the oldest film on this list, the Walt Disney's classic generated $982,090,000. I think that's how you say that. Um, at the box office. Star Wars The Force Awakens 2015. The newest film on the list, perhaps um, surprisingly, unsurprisingly, is yet another entry in the Star Wars saga. The Force Awakens managed to ring up four or nine hundred and seventy-four million one hundred and seventeen thousand in box office receipts. Man, is that the newest one we saw at the theater? Oh my god. Okay. <clears throat> 101 Dalmatians, 1961. Okay. okay. Yet another Disney classic, the original 101 Dalmatians barked up 900 million. Yep. yep. <coughs> yep. 254,400 uh, between its original 1961 release and the four re releases. They'll be standing by! <laughs> Where's the cough drops? I need one. Did you take them? You took them. I know you did. Babe, I need one. I don't want to cough. <coughs> this dang sinus infection is flare. It's almost gone, which I'm very, very happy about. Talking doesn't help the throat, but why'd you throw it at me? Anyway, The Empire Strikes Back, 1980, is number 13. Best Star Wars movie ever. Uh-huh. I do, because I watched it with you. When we first got together, you were so surprised that I never watched any of the Star Wars films. Yeah, rich. Yeah, it's 1980. 
<laughs> the second film released in the Star Wars franchise. Uh, With Yoda in a stick. <laughs> My stick is better than bacon. Um. Um, alright, the second film released in the in the Star Wars franchise um, is its third highest grossing with 844,607,500 dollars adjusted uh, domestic ticket sales. Ben-Hur! Yeah. 1959, William Wyler's Sword and sword. Why did I say it like that? Sword and scandal. Let me freaking reread this. William Wyler's Sword and Sandal Spectacular was hit with audiences generating $883,402,600 in ticket sales. Uh, Avatar 2009. James Cameron uh, his eco-minded sci-fi film is the director's second in the top 20 highest grossing films with 876,759,300. Hey, <laughs> Return of the Jedi 1983. <laughs> yes. <laughs> another Star Wars movie, another entry on this list, the franchise's third release made an impressive $847,475,300. Jurassic Park 1993. This is number 17. We're almost done. Uh, while Jurassic World, the fourth installment in the Jurassic Park series, currently holds the 24th spot on this list with 300. Um, it got a long, it's got a long way to go before matching the originals, um, 825, in box office grosses. Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, 1999. George Lu- Lucas again. again. <laughs> this time with The Phantom Menace, which took... Eight hundred and thirteen million seven hundred and eleven thousand eight hundred dollars, despite the presence of Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that dude was annoying. <clears throat> Baby, what do you think the next one is? I want you to. I want you to. Rocky. Nope. It's a Disney movie. Aladdin. Nope. No. I don't know. Long live the king. Yes. The Lion King 1994. The beloved animated classic roared its way into the all-time top 20 list with 803,209,300. The Sting 1973. Neither have I. The best picture of 1973 was also a big winner at the box office, generating 
3,177,100 in ticket sales. Nice. Okay, this will be the last segment of uh, World News in the first one, because I just read a whole article that was very exciting and very beautiful to me, but uh, somehow Anchor just decided to erase everything that I decided to read. So maybe uh, someday I'll recover that recording, but... I will basically tell you what I'm about to read. It's a shorter article, so, but basically what um, I'm going to talk about is uh, there was a second synagogue in Israel um, in the city of Magdala found in um, <clears throat> the same area. So um, it is kind of unlikely to find a second synagogue in the city because there is usually only one in each city in Israel, apparently, uh, from what I've read. And um, to find a second synagogue uh, was kind of interesting for the archaeologists to find. So basically what they um, kind of, where it came down to was um, that this synagogue, the second one that they found, was a second century one. So um, this kind of happened around the time when Roman uh, people, like the Romans decided to invade and destruct like, cause destruction over the temples and everything so, um, having a second one was very unheard of and this is exactly also the place of Mary Magdalene where she was born so, um, the Migdal uh, synagogue um, was very important to the archaeologists because not only was it, you know found as the second one and not only you know the place of Mary Magdalene but it was also not as um, glamorous as the first synagogue they found so the first one has very beautiful mosaics and frescoes on the walls um, but this uh, second one was very humble uh, looking so um, even Christians and uh, people who have, you know, been working on the site basically said that it is a meeting place. It is a house ministry, if you will, because um, it's interesting because uh, the difference between the two synagogues is one is looks like a distinguished type of church or synagogue place of worship. The other one is very humble, so people thought that it was not only a place of um, worship, but it was also a place for social gatherings as well, such as learning the, about the Torah, um, taking kids to school. It was basically a community center in the middle, in the middle of um, Magdala. So, um, the first synagogue was in, or yeah, was in the east of <clears throat> Magdala. 
this one is up in the north area of Magdala. So, um, it was really beautiful to hear because even Jesus visited, you know, Magdala. He had to have because it was Mary Magdalene's place of being born. So, who knows that you know, maybe this building was actually a place where Jesus met because Jesus uh, met people in secret before he actually um, became the son of God to the people. Or he what? Or he funded it. Maybe he helped build it, which is kind of beautiful to me as like beautiful to us because me and my husband, we were, we were listening to it while I was reading it and it was just really really pretty so it was basically like a meeting place for people who follow Jesus that was it was beautiful but we're gonna read the shorter article because the first one it had a lot of information but I don't feel like reading it all over again because that would just break my heart if if it just decided to erase again I wouldn't want to record anything anymore I really want to get this out because it's an awesome uh, piece of news. So, the second ancient synagogue found in Migdal alters ideas of Jewish life 2,000 years ago. Archaeologist says existence of two houses of worship in the same town shows the need for religious and social focal point other than existing the existing temple in Jerusalem. The 2,000-year-old synagogue from the second temple period is recently uncovered in Migdal um, on the northwestern side of the Sea of Galilee, making it a second synagogue found in the ancient community. The University of Haifa said on Sunday, it is <clears throat> the first time that two synagogues have been found within the same settlement of the period when the Jewish temple was still functioning in Jerusalem, a discovery that researches researchers say, um, is changing their understanding of religious life at the time. Archaeologists said, or had assumed, that as long as the temple was still standing, there was not uh, such a great need for synagogues. Professor Adi Elrich of the University of Haifa said uh, in a statement, Dinah uh, Avshalom Gorni of the University of Haifa, who assisted in the administration of the dig, said the discovery of a second synagogue gives insight to uh, the daily religious life of Jews in the Galilee at the time and testifies to the need for a dedicated building for study, uh, re- reading the Torah, and social gatherings. The location of the two synagogues less than 200 years or 200 meters apart, sorry, uh, for, or with the first in the industrial area and the second in the residential street, shows that they were built within the social fabric of the settlement. So the recently discovered synagogue is of basalt and chalk and comprises of a main hall and two side rooms, a stone bench, is also found six pillars held up the roof and bases of the two um, of those also found. 
The walls were covered in plaster and colorfully decorated. A small room in the south end of the main hall and a shelf that may have been used to store scrolls. In a statement said. Um, The site also yielded range of artifacts from the period including pottery, candle holders, glass bowls made from molds, uh, rings, and stone utensils used for purification rituals. Um, The building included a stone with a seven-benched menorah, um, a branched menorah, sorry, uh, embossed in on it of the menorah being used at the time of the temple. Migdal, or by its ancient name, Magdala, was an important center of Jewish life at the time. It is mentioned with the writings of Flavius Josephus, who was a Jewish military leader in the revolt against the Romans in the first century of CE. Uh, but then eventually switched sides to become a Roman citizen and historian. Magdala also mentioned that the New Testament, uh, as mentioned in the New Testament, was the birthplace of Mary Magdalene. Current excavations are being carried out by private archaeologist Yehuda Govrin, um, with scientific oversight by the Zinnemann, um, Institute of Archaeology and the University of Haifa. Work was carried out due to the expansion of the Route 90 in the area. Um, part of the synagogue was found during the preliminary excavations and the beginning of the year, although the time, the purpose of the ruin was not yet known. The Israel Antiques Authority intends to hold meetings in the coming weeks to discuss opening the site for the public. I like that. Yay! I will see you guys in the trenches next time. Have a great Christmas. If I don't make another one, just know that I've wished you a happy Christmas. Love you. Bye-bye.